0: This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me. This is Pop Culture Confidential, a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and I'm Christina. So, the movie Flea won the Grand Jury Prize at the documentary part of the Sundance Film Festival. And honestly... It was one of the most powerful experiences I've had watching a film all year. So I'm so grateful that I get this chance to speak to the Danish director, Jonas Por Rasmussen, about this remarkable documentary, Flea. And now, as it begins to roll out around the world, an English version is coming to the States later this year, I really urge you to see it. The film is an animated documentary, and through this very special animation, you get, A deeper, more personal story than you could imagine. And it also allows for the anonymity that the protagonist, Amin, wants and needs to finally be able to tell his story. And this is a personal story. It's a personal story both for Amin and for the filmmaker Rasmussen. They actually met in their teens in Denmark... And after many years of friendship, through this film, Amin gradually begins to open up about his childhood experiences through a series of interviews with the director. Amin is a happy child who loves his Walkman and his pop music when he's forced to flee from Afghanistan with his mother and siblings. First through Russia, under unimaginable circumstances, through the forest and on boats, harassed by corrupt police and human traffickers as we see his childhood innocence quickly being stolen. All this before settling in Denmark on his own. It's such a personal and clear-eyed story behind the headlines of the global migrant crisis in Afghanistan, as well as one man's story of survival, self-discovery, and finding a home. Yunus Poe Rasmussen, welcome so much to the show. Thank you for being here.
1: Well, thank you so much, so much for having me.
0: Um, and thank you for such a remarkable film. It's really an emotional experience that lived with me very much afterwards. Great. So after the success at Sundance and, you know, on sea and the festivals and things like it, how has it been for Amin and you?
1: It's been, it's been quite a journey, you know. We started doing this film eight years ago. Um, so first of all, he had to, to kind of decide that he actually... Now was the time to tell the story because he knew all along many many years that he wanted to tell his story at some point um and then when i asked him if we should do this film he finally kind of agreed to okay but now is the time so for him it's been an ongoing process for many years that okay i know i'm going to tell the story um but then that the story came out and it became as big as it's been like the reception in, in at sundance and around the world has been amazing um so I think for him, it's it's really been uh, very rewarding to see that people can relate to his story. You know, he's been carrying this thing within himself for so many years, and then when he tells it, to see that people actually understand what he's been through and how it kind of affected him all through the years. So um, yeah, he's he. I think it really took a weight off his shoulders uh, to first tell the story, but also to see the reception.
0: I wanted to start at the beginning of your relationship with him. Um, Could you tell us how you met and and describe him then?
1: Um, I grew up in this very rural Danish town, um, very small town, like four four or 500 people in it. Um, And then one day on train, I saw this guy, and he was very well-dressed, you know, he was fashionable. And, and it wasn't common in that town to be dressed like that. He was, he was very trendy. Uh, mm-hmm. So he really stood out in the crowd. And I just kind of got surprised that he got off at the same train stop as I did and took the same bus. Uh, and I realized that he stayed in foster care with the family just around the corner from where I lived, the same town. Um, and then slowly, uh, you know, we started meeting at the bus stop every morning, going to high school. and. We became very good friends, um, and that's that's 25 years ago now. So that's that's kind of where it all started, and my curiosity about his story kind of started. Um, and and I of course, asked him why he came to Denmark, but he said that he didn't want to talk about it. And of course, I respected that at that point. Um, and um, but you know, there were there were stories going around in the town and in high school that he had seen his family getting killed, and that he. Walked all the way from Afghanistan to Denmark. All these stories kind of going around. And um, um, yeah, so I didn't know what to 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 believe or not to believe. So it, it was it was really special that now, like more than 20 years later, that he would finally tell the story.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier that at some point he agreed to tell the story. What changed?
1: I think as I said, like he, he knew all along that he had to tell the story at some point. And actually I think 15 years ago, I I worked within within radio and I did radio documentaries. And I asked him if I could do a radio documentary about his story. And he said no, and that he wasn't ready to tell his story yet. Um, But he knew that he had to do it at some point. Um, And when he was ready, he would tell it to me. Um, And then actually I was invited for this workshop here in Denmark called Docs, where they gather animators and documentary filmmakers to, to develop ideas for animated documentaries. And they asked me if I had an idea and I thought about his story again and then asked him if he would offer telling a story as an animated documentary. And he finally said yes, but also because with the animation, we could make him anonymous, you know, um, because this is the first time he, he dives into his life trauma. Um, and he really wanted to be anonymous still, you know, he, he didn't want to be in the supermarket and then people... On the aisle, and supermarket would know about like his innermost secrets and uh, and his traumas, and also he has a professional life, so he would like to kind of meet people on a on a clean slate and not have uh, and, and and that everybody shouldn't know about all his traumas. Yeah.
0: Do you think this will change now when the movie gets out in the world, or is he happy to just see the reaction from his point of view? Yeah, he's
1: very happy to just see it from his point of view. Uh, yeah, he's 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 very decided that he doesn't want to come forward at
0: all. And without a doubt, there it's incredibly brave and traumatic the things he's telling you about. So I want to ask you a bit about the interview techniques you use. And what we see in the film is him um, lying down and an animated version, and and you sitting next to him and talking. Is this how you did this?
1: Yeah, that's it's exactly how I did it, and it's actually a a technique that I used for radio before. Um, Because when you make radio documentaries, you don't have an image, so you really need the subject to paint a picture for you. Um, And that's why you know he's laying down with his eyes closed and he talks in present tense. Um, And and with this, he it kind of makes him come back, like he kind of relives the stories. And I asked him to be really precise and really be really descriptive. When, for example, in the beginning, he talked about his childhood home and, and uh, he's in a garden and his sister's telling stories. And in the interview, I asked him to be really descriptive about what did the environment look like, what kind of flowers were there, what were the colors, um, what did the house look like, what, what did the garden look like. And this really helped us both for the animation because we could then draw what he, he talked about, but also because he kind of came back to the situation and he you could almost, he, he could almost, you know, smell the smells and then he was back there and he relived it instead of just retelling it. So I think it's its a way of really going deeper into the memories than you can do if you just have a conversation.
0: And there's this real connection with a Amin through pop culture. He likes the things that we've liked in the eighties. He likes, Pop music, like "Aha," he's watching movies with Jean Claude Van Damme. Felt like um, it was a powerful way to relate.
1: Yeah, and that was that was definitely uh, a surprise for me as well because that was one one of the first things he told me uh, when we started interviews. I asked him to go back to his first memories, and one of the things he told me was that he had this Walkman, and he just loved listening to pop music. And the music in the film is actually things like it's, it's pop songs that he listened to back then. Yeah, and, I and that so. really made me yeah. And that, that really made me relate to his story in another way as well because I'm like, oh my, okay. But he just, he listened to the same music. He saw the same films. You know, I, I like to play football uh, in, in my little town and he liked to play volleyball. So all of these things are kind of, okay, but our childhood is actually pretty much alike. But then just at some point, you know, this war happens and everything just changes drastically for him. And, he, and he's, uh, he's on this five-year run before he arrives to my hometown.
0: At one point, he stops you at the beginning, and he says, "I may need time. I will tell you about this, but it may be six months, it may be a year before I can continues to talk to talk about this." What were some of the things that you saw then that were most painful when you were approaching him? What were the questions that he, you know, felt he couldn't, he needed more time to talk about?
1: It was definitely like you know the, the family relations um, going into. The guilt he felt uh, uh, towards his family, um, and 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 all the fear he had, um, both towards them, but also about what happened to them. Um, so it was definitely about a, a surrounding the family, uh, and also some of the experiences he had fleeing. Um, but it was mostly when we talked about his family and, and things that, they, that happened, and and the guilt he felt.
0: So. When and how did the difficulties start for Amin's family in Afghanistan?
1: Well, the, you know, there was a civil war going on between um, uh, the Soviet occupiers of Af- Af- Afghanistan and the Mujahideen, who was uh, backed by uh, the US. So it was kind of the Cold War going on in Afghanistan uh, still at that point. And, um, and slowly the Mujahideen grew stronger and stronger, as we see now with the Taliban. Um, and the Russians then decided to leave, but before that, um, the Russians kind of picked young Afghan boys to be sent to the army uh, and go to the front, and they just, you know, they just got killed in the in the front zone. Um, so his brothers had to flee because otherwise they would be sent to the front, um, and and then slowly things just went worse and worse. And it's kind of it's, it's very much the similar situation as we see now in in Afghanistan. Back then, just it was Soviet troops withdrawing with from Afghanistan and leaving the country for itself, and then you saw that the Mujahideen and the Taliban taking over the country. So it's pretty much the same thing that happens now.
0: Amin describes the corrupt Russian police, the human traffickers that they came in contact with as like the worst part of humanity, really. How did the how did the cruelty that he saw affect him as a child?
1: Um, I think there's something about, you know, um, when you're a kid and you see adults behaving like that, who just are purely cynical and just thinks about money and just, you know, steals and robs and, and doesn't think about human life at all. It just breaks something within you as a kid. Because as a kid, you tend to trust adults but he was in a situation where you couldn't trust adults and 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 they um they would just treat human lives like waste you know um it was just a way to kind of earn money um so it it definitely affected him in a way that he he had a hard time trusting people afterwards um and especially uh uh you know police and 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 uh, people in uniform in general he, he was very traumatized by the, the way the police treat them in, in russia
0: the, the movie is such an emotional experience so i don't want to get too much at length into those details because i think you know watching it is emotion but but it's pretty unimaginable that <laughs> the journey that they're forced to take you know the boats the police the refugee housing they spend time in um for the, the whole family, do you see a point in his story when he's talking to you where, where you can feel that's where his childhood innocence was broken?
1: I, th- I think it really starts with the fleeing, you know, uh, when the home is taken away from them. Uh, you could see it starting slowly before that, but I think it's really when um, the home is taken away and they just get stuck in Russia and and... There's, he can't go out. He can't play. Uh, he just sits in a flat watching TV. Um, so that, that's really where it breaks. But then you have a lot of different um, things that happens on the road that, that kind of um, just crumples his childhood. You know, like he, he becomes an adult too too early uh, and needs to take too bigger responsibility as a, as a young kid.
0: Um, for many years after he came to Denmark, he was forced to tell another story. Why was this?
1: Basically because the human traffickers doesn't know the law. So they, they make up stories for people so that they think they need to tell when they arrive. Um, because, um, yeah, basically because they don't know the law. So they just make up a story and say, okay, but you need to say that your entire family is dead. You need to say um, that you came directly from this country to Denmark. There's these things you need to say, and it's just not true because he was he was a uh, he was a minor and he was unaccompanied when he arrested Mark, so he would have gotten asylum either way. But um, he thought he had to tell a false story.
0: There wasn't even a word for gay in Afghanistan, and being gay is another secret he felt forced to carry. Right.
1: The thing is, he always kind of had to flee something. So I think that the story of him being um, being gay is a little bit the same as the story about him having to not talk about his past, that there's some, always a part of his life that he can bring with him. Um, so, of course, as a kid, because there was no word for being gay um, and it wasn't acceptable in the society, he never told anyone. So there was this part of him that he couldn't live with. Even though he knew he was gay from a very early age, he couldn't kind of outlive it. Um, and and then when he arrived to Denmark, he all of a sudden he he it was easier to be gay, but then he couldn't be with his past. So there's always in his life been a part of his life that he couldn't bring with him. So it's very much a story about um, about fleeing yourself as well as the physical journey. Um, and trying to find a home, a place where you can be who you are with whatever that entails, with everything it entails, like both your sexuality and your past and whatever else there is. Um, um, So I think these stories really connect. Um, But it was, of course, super difficult for him because he had all these, as I think most of us have these, um, what do you call it? Um, um, Fordham, how do you say Fordham?
0: Prejudice, yes.
1: Yes, yes. yes. Um, he had all these prejudices against his own family and about how an Afghan would view him as a gay. Uh, if it would be accepted or gay, or gay it man.
0: Yeah. Both in his family and in the world. Yeah. As a filmmaker, I understand, but, but also as a friend, um, what did you, Yunus, learn about how war affects a child?
1: I think I really learned this thing about. How, how meaningful home is and, and, and the, the, the place we stay that, that, that you can feel safe, um, how crucial that is to well-being, to feeling well with yourself. Um, um, and I, I could see like the shadows he kind of still had in him, even though he was in Denmark and there was no wall, but just going through it. I just put so, so many deep marks within him that he kind of brought it along with him wherever he was and he was always trying to search for a new place to be um so yeah for me it was really I'm, I, I just became really grateful for living in a place that's so safe as as denmark is and that my kids grow up in denmark as well to um
0: yeah, you know, one of the things that really um, touched me and it was very powerful, I thought, and it was so unfair, is the amount of guilt he feels for things that have he has no power over, that weren't his fault to begin with. Things that happened to his family, choices he had to make. I kind of get the feeling that his if his life is too good, it's sort of a betrayal to his past.
1: Definitely, and and like I can even feel that sometimes that my life is too good. So when you see Uh, because we're exposed to these stories all the time about people struggling, you know, around the world. And my life is, I, I don't, I don't struggle. I have, I have a good life and I feel the guilt. So I I can like just start to imagine how he feels because it's like close relatives who struggle. Um, So it's, it's a, it's a whole different story. So, so.
0: um, I'm curious about the animation, which is quite spectacular. Um, Tell me having not worked in animation before was this scary um how did you feel about this process
1: no it definitely was a little scary because you know I'm, I'm used to doing documentaries and it's pretty much you know me myself and the camera and sometimes I have an editor so sometimes I have a DOP but but it's very kind of it's, it's me and here all of a sudden I had you know a team of 60 people working on the film that at the same time so it's it's a whole it's a very different story to make animation so it was it was quite scary but it was like in the beginning it was scary but it, then it just turned out to be a very very rewarding process because you work with all these people who give you creative input and and um and it's just amazing to 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 see the, the, the skill of their craft you know I'm, I'm still amazed when people can actually draw things that look like something you know <laughs> So, so, so just to see them work was just such an inspiration, and and really helped me creatively as well to 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 make.
0: Do you have animators? That, I mean, other movies or or directors that were influential in your work?
1: Of course, you know, Wolf of Bashir was like the the crown jewel of animated documentary. Amazing. Kind of, it's an amazing film, and it really showed that that there's something special here but when when you combine animation and documentary. Uh, I think um, there's something. When you tell a story in animation, and with Flea and also with, with wall special, it's really, really hard stories. And I think sometimes um, we have a tendency because we're exposed to so many hard stories and, and 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 in the news all the time. We have a tendency to just kind of like pull away from it and or push it away and and um, defend ourselves. But I think with animation, we kind of. Uh, we don't defend ourselves because we're kind of used to animations for kids. So we're, kind of, we're more open to listen to the story and experience it with animation. Um, I really had the feeling, at least, with Wolf of the because if it had just been told, you know, in a classical talk, uh, TV documentary, I'm not sure I would have been into it. I think I would kind of like, okay, but that's just another uh, tough story. But because it's animation and because you can be so expressive and you can be so emotional, um, it kind of, it really hit me in another way. Uh, so in that way, I was really inspired by that. And I think I could also feel when we did like the first test of the where you heard a min's voice and then you saw the animation, you could see that something opened up and the people who saw it, that they kind of like, they got interested and, and they listened more to the story also. Also because it's, you know, there, there's, there's less information in animation. It's, it's, it's it, everything is simplified. Uh, so we can be very precise in the way we show Uh, the emotions or or the story
0: and I also think you made some very powerful choices when you did cut to archival material for example when they're taken back from from in Estonia that the sort of thing between animation and those real really horrifying pictures was even starker than if it would have been archival the whole time I think
1: yeah I, I, I totally agree
0: so I wanted to talk a little bit about today, we, we referenced, of course, considering what's happening in Afghanistan right now as we speak, you know, in terms of, sure there's going to be a lot of migrants and a lot of um, very traumatized people. Will they be received in another way in Denmark, for example, than Amin was? What does he feel about this?
1: Yeah, I think Denmark is definitely a different country now than it was 30 years ago. And, and it's, it's tough now. It's, it's really hard to get into Denmark. Um, even you know, there's a big discussion now in Denmark about if we should give asylum to the people who helped Denmark in the war because Denmark was a part of the war in Afghanistan. Mm. So all the people who helped interpreting or just worked for the Danish the army in Afghanistan, in the tra- translators, yeah, and and so now there's there's even a discussion if we should give those people asylum, even though you know their lives are threatened because they worked for Denmark because they were western Westernly. Rest- orientated. Um, so, so it's, um, it, it's going to be really tough. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that that um, Yeah, I'm just hoping that people can 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 see that we need to help. So you're
0: saying it's actually it's even a harsher environment today than it was in 80 in the 80s when I mean,
1: with- yeah, definitely also after the you know, um, the so called uh, refugee crisis. Uh, which is, is really a humanitarian crisis uh, that happened in 15, um, and what's going on in Syria. Um, it's really been a hot topic in Denmark, and it's, it's, it's really hard to um, get into Denmark.
0: In Denmark today, how does Amin feel about the way people talk about migrants?
1: He feels he, he's 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 a part of Danish society and he works in it and he's, he feels very part of Denmark, but um, but the way people talk about migrants is really hurtful to him. You know, like like um, because one thing is fair enough to say, but we can't take all migrants. Of course, Denmark can't take seventy million migrants and we can't just open the borders. But the way people talk about them is what's hurting, I think, because. Because all of a sudden, you know, being a refugee becomes an identity and you say refugees are like this or like that. And it's like, but being a refugee is not an identity. Refugees are just as different as any other group of people. Um, It's just a period of time in in your life where you flee and you're a refugee, but it's not who you are. Um, And all of a sudden you get defined by being a refugee. Um, and there's all these words that, that's being attached to it, really harsh words being attached to it in the beast. And I think that's really hurtful thing.
0: So would you say that he's found a home? You were talking about this being the most important part of working through his trauma.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it, a, a, a big weight was lifted off his, off his shoulders. I think it's something that he will always work on you know but but now he feels like he can talk a lot more freely and 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 he can be who he are both being a gay man but also with the past he has Um, so all of a sudden uh he feels more free and uh, they enabled him to feel more at home definitely
0: and finally, I just have to ask you, because this movie is going to be huge. There's an English language version, I understand, with some big names. Tell, tell me about that.
1: Yeah, we thought about, um, it's, it's a little different, it's a little weird to do uh, an English language version of it because it's a documentary and you kind of, by dubbing me and Amin, it kind of takes away a part of the documentary feel to it. But we thought, if we can reach a broader audience with, uh, some big name actors um, it's such an important story to get it out there and and have it reach as many people as possible so we started to kind of see who would be the perfect fit for Amin and me and um, and uh, luckily uh, we could reach out to Riz Ahmed who who saw the film and loved it and uh, and he actually decided to EP to produce it um, and he's got a voice the voice for him in and uh, Nicola Costa-Veldau is going to do the voice for me um, so that was, that was, that, was uh, that was very yeah an interesting process and now we have we did the recordings and and it's being made uh, so it's going to be fun to see how people will react.
0: So now it starts rolling out in Scandinavia and then all over the world I guess.
1: Yes yes during fall and winter it's going to be all over the place yeah
0: Jonas, thank you so much for this and, and again for the movie and for taking your time with me.
1: Of course, but thank you for
0: having me. Thank you. Thank you so much to director Jonas Poer Rasmussen. Flea will be premiering in Scandinavia on Friday the 20th and rolling out throughout the world during the fall. So please don't miss it. And thank you so much for listening to Pop Culture Confidential. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a moment, please rate and review the show. It really helps others to find us. See you next time